so yeah, I, I think that over the last 10 years that I've been kind of doing this, um, I've been able to set kind of clear boundaries that I probably wouldn't have been able to set in the beginning. Because again, when you're just starting out, you are in a receptive state and you are just trying to receive, receive, give me, give me, give me anything, everything. The thing about it that's that I want to make sure that I make really clear to your audience, whoever's listening, and um, you want to be receptive with an intention. You know, you want to be receiving, um, you know, what you need to be receiving, whether it's gigs or paychecks or students or whatever, with intentionality of, I need to learn this, or I need to do that, or I want to build this skill set, or I want to build my reputation or whatever. If you're just doing it willy nilly and you're just doing it just to spin your wheels, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to be spinning your wheels for a very long time. And it's really, really exhausting. So as long as you're intentional about all of those decisions that you have to make, especially early on, I think it will help you in the long run. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hello and welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. I've really been looking forward to the conversation that I had today with Allie Tyler, who is from The Marketed Musician, because she's talking about growing your private studio of students. That means teaching whatever your specialty is, whether it's voice, whether it's instruments, whether it's piano, whether it's songwriting, whatever your music specialty is, you can make a sustainable and stable, predictable income from adding teaching to your roster of things that you do in music. After we finished our Facebook Live on Indie Interactive today, I did see a few questions that I want to address just to make sure that you guys understand what she's talking about, because this is going to be really valuable conversation for you. So I want to make sure the terms are clear. She talks about creating her private studio, and I want to make sure that you understand that what she means by that is not that she has a recording studio. What she means by a studio is a roster of students. And this is a term often used by classical instrumentalists or vocalists. And so I wanted to make sure that you guys understood that, you know, maybe if you don't come from a classical place, you might not know that that's another word for a group of private students that come to you on a regular basis. So we're not talking about a studio where you record and creating your own home studio. We are talking about a roster of students that come to you for help. You give them your expertise and in exchange, they of course give you money time and time again. So that's what we're talking about today. And we'll get into that conversation just after we mention some info about our sponsor. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me mention our sponsor, Studio Sweden Headphones. 
I'm extremely proud to have them sponsor this show, not only because they make a great product, but because they are innovators, because they're trying to bring together the world of headphones in a way that no one else has. If you've noticed, like sometimes you try to buy headphones and there's these really cool looking headphones, but they actually don't sound that good. Or these headphones that sound amazing and they've got all the technology you want, but they're not really at all stylish. They are trying to bridge that gap. They're trying to bring together the technology and the fashion. And they really have done that in their line of headphones. Their headphones are all wireless and they do work with Bluetooth devices, but you do have the ability to connect a cord if you want to actually use them as corded headphones. They're so versatile and I use them all the time, whether I'm on the go or I'm here in my studio recording. They are the perfect companion for all things audio. So I highly recommend you check them out at studiosweden.com. That's S-U-D-I-O sweden.com. And you don't just have to be in Europe to take advantage of this. They have free worldwide shipping. So this is open to all of you, everyone that's listening right now. Go to studiosweden.com. Check out how cool they look, and I can attest to how great they sound, and consider them as a great Christmas gift for somebody that you love or maybe yourself. And be sure to use our special promo code FEM15 to get 15% off all of their products and, of course, the free worldwide shipping. That's studiosweden.com, S-U-D-I-O, S-W-E-D-E-N.com. Here is my conversation with Allie Tyler. I'm super excited to be with you this morning to be talking about the key to sustainable income from music. I know that you musicians, what thing that you really want is sustainable income. And that is a big reason that I am bringing Allie Tyler on today because she has tapped into this way that we can have sustainable income. I mean, there's lots of ways we can have sustainable income, but this one is very, very reliable and not as hard to get into as you think. So we're going to be talking about uh, building a studio of private students, teaching private lessons. You've already got the expertise as a musician. You may not think you do, but you do. And, you know, your experience and your training and all that makes you qualified to teach others how to do what you do. So I'm excited to have her talk with us this morning. Uh, Say hello in the chat. I'd love to see who is here today. And I'm so glad Facebook is working well. Uh, Last week we had a little (laughs) glitch, but we are back. So I'm excited. And I want to just have Ali say hi to you and tell you a little bit about you know, her brand right now, what she's doing, and then we'll get into more of the nitty gritty of how she got here and what she has to teach you guys this morning. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Bri. I'm so excited to be here. I like, I'm thrilled. Um, So I'm Allie. I'm Allie Tyler. I am one of the um, co-CEOs behind The Marketed Musician. My computer keeps falling. There we go. Um, (laughs) And um, I run a online platform that essentially helps trained musicians DIY their marketing. So I have a wonderful business partner. Her name is Claire. And um, Claire and I actually interviewed 
Brie, gosh, I think a couple of weeks ago to talk about house concerts. So I'm really excited to be back onto your page. And kind of what we're doing right now is we're essentially just helping musicians, um, you know, creative career that fulfills and also pays the bills. That's kind of what we're all about. And um, the way that we do that is we have a D-I-W-Y, do it with you kind of system where essentially we give you the resources that you need, whether it's marketing tips or whether it's ebooks or classes or courses. And we also give you one-on-one time with us um, so that we can help you specifically where with you are at in your career. So that's kind of what we're all about. And um, so I'm representing both of us today by being on here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a little bit jealous of Claire because I know she's in Europe right now. And I was in Europe three years ago and I keep thinking about it. I get this Facebook keeps sending me these like your memories from 2014. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I want to be there right now. So I'm a little jealous of Claire, but I'm so glad that you're available to be with us this morning. So let us know, um, you know, how did you get started in music? And as you kind of got your training and, you know, came of age in, you know, in your music, you know, what kind of struggles did you deal with? I know that we have a lot of people that that listen to the show that, you know, are in that like struggling mode of like, I just want to have an income and a career as a musician and I'm just not getting there right now. So love to hear a little bit about, you know, some of the specific struggles that you faced and how you overcame those and how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to this and you are experiencing all of the craziness of trying to be a freelancer or a independent contractor or a sole proprietor, whatever it is, self-employed musician, um, I feel your pain. (laughs) I've totally been there. I still am, you know, I'm a professional musician to this day and it's not, there's no um, place where the struggles stop, but the struggles kind of become a little bit different. So, you know, when I was Um, in my early 20s, and just kind of getting out of undergrad, some of the things that I really had to face were just desperation for anything. You know, I was desperate for gigs, I was desperate for any kind of paycheck. And I think we all kind of go through that. It's a very um, receptive state that we are in when we're in that kind of let's just get this thing rolling and going and give me anything and everything. And um, I come from a family of musicians. Both of my parents are musicians professionally, and I will not sugarcoat it. It is hard. It's really hard. And um, seeing that uh, how the struggles that they went through to raise a family and be musicians, and then me as well go out and be a musician. I really had to put myself in a position where I was just basically saying yes to everything. This was back then. Um, And the struggles that I faced were, you know, some, some months I honestly couldn't pay rent. Some months I was in the negative. Um, Most of those struggles were financial, but if you really think about the financial um, parts of being a musician, essentially those come from the emotions and thoughts behind it. And over time I had to really assess you know, where I was at in my life, not necessarily financially, but what I thought about money and what I thought about music and what I thought about the the gigs and the teaching and all of the things that go into trying to create a sustainable career. There's so many decisions that you have to make when you're in that position. And um, the only way that you can ever make those, those decisions is by going through it and by doing it, <laughs> by engaging and by trying to just, you know, figure it out. Um, so yeah, I, I think that over the last 10 years that I've been kind of doing this, um, 
I've been able to set kind of clear boundaries that I probably wouldn't have been able to set in the beginning. Because again, when you're just starting out, you are in a receptive state and you are just trying to receive, receive, give me, give me, give me anything, everything. The thing about it that's that I want to make sure that I make really clear to your audience, whoever's listening, and um, um, something that I hope that they'll take away from this is you want to be receptive with an intention. You know, you want to be receiving, um, you know, what you need to be receiving, whether it's gigs or paychecks or students or whatever, with intentionality of, I need to learn this, or I need to do that, or I want to build this skill set, or I want to build my reputation or whatever. If you're just doing it willy nilly and you're just doing it just to spin your wheels, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to be spinning your wheels for a very long time. And it's really, really exhausting. So as long as you're intentional about all of those decisions that you have to make, especially early on, I think it will help you in the long run. Um, So yeah. That, yeah, that's a really, a really good answer and really insightful because it's true. Like when we start out, we are in that, that open state and we have to be like, you know, you can't as, as beginners, just like I tell, you know, my artists, like when you start out, you can't expect to get paid because you haven't developed your craft yet. And you do need to go to open mics and coffee shops and you need to really hone your craft. And not only that, but your ability to like interact with the audience and all that before you go out and ask to get paid. So right. Yeah, absolutely. That is something that, you know, we need to humble ourselves and be like, (laughs) yeah, we're not going to, I mean, when I was in college, I wasn't expecting to go out and do a gig in the community and get paid yet because I was still looked at you know, as a kid in college. So, right. you know, but you get those, you get those things under your belt and then you can go out there and, and really charge for it. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. All right. So, you know, did you end up like taking side jobs along the way that was, that weren't in music as you were kind of leaving school? And I know for me, like when I left school, I was just completely lost and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how to do music. I knew I wanted to, did you, were you able to do music all the time or was it like music related jobs or did you like become a nanny or, you know, like a lot of people I see do? Yeah. You know, I, um, I had a professor when I was in college and I will never forget him telling us it was probably the very first day of my freshman year or something like, you know, really impactful when you're in Mm. college. Um, and he said that I've never had a job that wasn't music related and I pride myself on that. Wow. And I remember sitting there going, I want to do that too. Like, <laughs> I, I want that. I will do whatever it takes. So actually, I've never had a side job. I've never done any kind of other. I, I wish. Like, sometimes I go to coffee shops. I'm like, ooh, that'd be really fun to be a <laughs> Or, you know, I, that'd be really fun to, you know, be a dog walker or whatever. But um, I, I haven't. And, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that that's totally the right thing. I very, very much am a believer in have any kind of job as long as you can make money and still, you know, devote yourself to your craft. It doesn't matter. Um, it was just something that it was like a personal kind of high expectation that I have of myself of, I want to continue learning. I want to continue being better at my craft. So where am I devoting my time? Am I, am I devoting my time into, like you said, like babysitting, which I do love kids and I, you know, I love babysitting, um, you know, uh, family and whatnot, do I want to be spending my time doing something that's not helping me grow? And that was something that I had to really assess for myself while I was in college. I've also been the kind of person where I've never, um, I've never not worked. Um, 
I've had a job since I was 16 and I've never mm-hmm. had a year. I've never had even really any time, um, except for one time I'll tell you about later where I wasn't working, where I was constantly just doing anything and everything that was musical or artistic or anything that I knew was going to help me build a skill set because that my mom always told me, if you have skills, you can do anything. If you have skills, you can go out in the world and you'll be okay. And, um, that really resonated with me in the kind of jobs that I took. I wanted to keep building those skills musically. So no, I actually, I have never had a side job before. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. That's, I think it's impressive. So what, what are the skills that you had to develop and, you know, how much of them are like technical related to music or marketing? And then like, what kind of mindset skills do you have to develop to really, you know, do the music thing full time? Hmm. You know, I think that the mindset skills, I, well, it's a really good way of putting it. That is the most important thing that you can get. If you can get in the right frame of thinking and making decisions that help you, um, and creating your own opportunities and having the mindset of curiosity, that's, that's the best recipe for success or whatever Mm. success looks like for you. Um, you know, skills, they, the skill sets that I developed were very much thrown at me and they weren't something where it was like, I learned it in school. Like for example, when I first started teaching, um, I knew how to play the piano. Like I I knew chords and I knew basic things. I had no freaking clue how to read an accompaniment part. And all these students are coming in going, I have an audition. I have a competition. Can you play this for me? And I had no choice, but to learn. Mm. Um, and it wasn't something where I sat down, you know, every single night and I practiced like crazy. That was a skill that was developed over time. And it was just doing it every single day um, with my students and kind of building that set. Um, so another skill set I really wanted to learn was how to play the guitar. Now I can't play the guitar very well, but I went out and I bought a tailor, <laughs> like the <laughs> nicest guitar. And I was like, I bought a nice guitar. I'm going to learn how to play. It. And I self-taught myself and I forced myself to teach solely on the guitar. So I wouldn't do any warmups on the piano. I would do all vocal warmups um, on the guitar because I, I teach uh, voice lessons. And, you know, it's just kind of those things where nothing is a magic pill. You know, you don't get to just learn skill sets like, like that. It's, you kind of follow this, this path, this little detour of, oh, this person needs that. Okay. I'll see if I can figure that out. Oh, this person needs that. Okay. I'll figure it out. And you just keep doing it. And that's where those skill sets kind of develop over time. It's not, um, you know, uh, most of the time, it's really not a strategy. If you think about Mm, it, it's kind of like being a parent, (laughs) It you is. just kind of learn like, oh, I better figure out how to do this because right. it's a huge struggle right now. Exactly. You're just forced into it and you're like, I really have no choice. And that's kind of where those um, skills develop. But, you know, the mindset stuff is um, that comes with that experience is, you know, like I said, um, you don't learn from thinking. You don't get clarity on things from thinking about it. You get clarity on things from doing it, from engaging, Mm. from interacting. Um, And so if you just stay in that curious state of, I'm just trying to learn and just see, you know, I like this or I don't like this. Um, And then whatever you do like, you keep doing it. And that's where that skill 
kind of comes in. Um, so I think skill sets that I think are valuable for, and again, I should note that I, you know, my background is in voice. Um, so I teach voice lessons, but anyone, any instrumentalist, whatever instrument, whatever style, whatever genre, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you want to go back to the basics. You want to be able to teach things like, you know, how to read music. You want to be able to read chords. I know that that sounds crazy, but it really is helpful if you know how to do that stuff. Um, you want to be able to know, um, most importantly, what is, is worth your time, what you can say no to and what you can say yes to. Um, there's a ton of skills that you kind of develop over time, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I could like list off a bunch of skills, but I think more importantly, it's just that you want to have that right mindset in going about how to accumulate those skills and keep just doing it. Just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I think what sometimes happens is people think, oh, I don't want to teach private lessons because I don't think I'll like it. Or if I commit to this, then I'm stuck here. Like, you know, there's no reason that you can't try it out with a few students and commit exactly. to it for a year and then like, nope, this isn't for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing about private lessons, um, there's a very, um, I don't know, like it, there's a standard quota about what private lessons are and something that I've realized over the last 10 years that I've been teaching, um, is that screw that. Like you don't need to do that. You know, um, like for example, um, most people associate private lessons with teaching kids. Mm -hmm. I teach primarily adults, um, adults who have never sung and who want to learn how to sing that is a completely different beast than teaching elementary school kids how to play middle C over and over again. And just being able to step outside of the, the standard, Oh, there's more that I can do here than just this. Okay. I do warm ups and then I do sight reading and then I do repertoire. Like, no, you can teach songwriting. You can teach lyric writing. You can teach how to accompany. You can teach improv. You can teach all kinds of things. You can teach most of the time with my adults. We just do warm ups the whole time because they're just practicing how to use their expressive mechanism. That's what's really cool about teaching in particular is that you get to decide what you want to um, in part on your students and what kind of impact you want to make. And that's, mm. that's, you get, you get the creative um, arena to do that. That's, that's such a good point. Like you, you don't <laughs> have to like fit into this cookie cutter thing. No, you can, you can make it your own. Totally true. And yes. play to your strengths. Yes. Play For to your sure. strengths. Yeah. <laughs> don't do what everybody else is doing if it doesn't feel good to you. <laughs> right. Awesome. So, yeah. you know, many of us have had like some kind of formal education, like we've gone to college for music or, you know, where do you think that the, the formal education has failed as far as, you know, giving us a complete education on how to be a musician in the real world? Like we, you know, we learn all the skills and everything, but I, like I said, like, I felt like I was dumped on the sidewalk and said, good luck, yeah. you know, and given not a lot of skills on how to actually translate my talent that they have developed over those four years into something that can actually make me money. So where do you think they've failed? What areas? You know, it's, it's such a beefy question um, because they're so there's a lot of problems with the educational institutions right now and the industry itself. 
However, I think that we're at a really interesting time as far as the transition that we are making with technology. Um, the teachers that we have in our school did not have technology. It just wasn't mm. accessible, right? They don't know to teach that kind of stuff because they didn't experience it. So, you know, my background is in opera. I have two degrees in opera or in classical voice, I guess. And the back then for, for classical music or really for any music, it doesn't even matter the style you, you know, practice like crazy. You went in for an audition and you either got the job or you didn't. And that's just kind of how that sequence works. It doesn't <laughs> work like that anymore. And I think that um, those are where the big gaps are is like you said, Brie, like you get out of college and you're like, okay, what, how do I even put myself out there? But more importantly, how do I create my own opportunities? How do I create my own opportunities? How do I um, understand personal finance? That's a huge thing that is not talked about. Oh, um, so true. Oh my goodness. Um, I was just uh, reading an amazing book about this and thinking about the scarcity mindset that is subconsciously embedded inside of our minds when we are training. You know, again, I, 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 have a musical background with my parents, but I also know, and I know this from being in school for a long time, that musicians go into it thinking, I'm going to be starving. It's going to be really hard, but I love it. I love the music, so I can't not do it, right? We have this idea in our head that it's going to be hard, that I have to work my brains out, that I have to take every single gig, that I have to take every single student, even if you don't like the student or you don't, you know, click with the student. We just have this scarcity mindset of, I just, I'm desperate. I'll take anything. And what happens when you have desperation? You also have deprivation. You deprive yourself of the livelihood and the healthy lifestyle that you know that you can have, but you feel like you just don't have time, or you feel like you just don't have the resources, or you feel like you just don't have the money. And that is something, I think that's the biggest problem that we have in our music education is this idea of, um, it's going to be hard say yes to everything and just suck it up. And like, it's, it's not so black and white, but it kind of is, you know, like most people leave thinking that way. And yes, you know, I would love to see a college or a training program that gave their musicians some marketing classes or even just, Hey, here's how to save for retirement. You know, things that are just totally normal to, to everybody else. in the that world. every normal adult should know, normal right? Adult should know, right. And I, you know, my husband does um, finance and he's like, wait, so you don't have advisors that kind of help you with that. I'm like, no, we, we have music advisors that, that give us some more auditions and more places to, to spend more money on summer programs, you know, mm -hmm. to learn more. Um, so, you know, absolutely. I think that colleges can, can totally fill in that gap. But I think more importantly, if you go out of college, you got to know that that's not what the college education was for. The college education was for building your skill set. And if you can just respect that and be okay with it, which is something that's taken me a long time to, to do, um, and have the mindset of, you know what? I can't live with this scarcity mindset. I can't live in a way where I'm constantly desperate. I have to be able to create a life for myself and create my own opportunities, whatever that looks like for your instrument or for your style or for your industry. And if you can just um, 
be curious, start taking online classes. That's what I did. Start um, going to conferences, start going to, you know, um, talks that they have about, about finance or about business or about anything and just stay curious and know that it, you know, that's the only way to do it currently right now in 2017. <laughs> Hopefully it changes in the future, but it's kind of where we're at right now. That's um, a good point. I mean, I was kind of bitter because um, I thought, you know, they're helping all these other people in other, you know, that went to my school that were in sciences or were in economics or whatever they're you're giving, they're pointing them toward jobs. Like why aren't they doing that for musicians? But I do think that you're right. That most of the professors don't really think of that as their job. Yeah. And the career center has no idea what to do with musicians. So you're, you're pretty much. Yeah. So that's a good point that you just need to kind of think like, I need to realize that, I need to have a little career training after I'm done. And that may be found online. Yeah. People that have gone through what we've gone through and figured it out, as you said, like by trial and error. And, you know, that's the way to really learn how to do this stuff, not from a professor. So I think I've kind of come to where you are now. I'm still a little bit like I paid a lot for that education and, you know, know. maybe you should help me. And how come they had job fairs for all these other people? But yeah, you're so right. Like there's no point in focusing on that. Yeah. I just hope that the, you know, the educators of today can, can kind of learn from what we've gone through. So why do you think, and maybe it's just because we didn't learn it in school, but why do you think musicians generally don't like marketing that the mm-hmm. word scares them? And, you know, what, what can we do to, to make that a little less scary and a little less intimidating? Oh my gosh. Um, I totally understand this. Um, I am not the kind of person where I went and I was like, I'm going to do music business. Like business was not in my lingo at all. I am not a math person. Even just marketing scares me still. And I do this for (laughs) a living. Um, I think the reason why musicians are afraid of marketing or even just not clear on what it is, is because we have fear of the unknown, right? So we all walk around with our, our egos. I mean, and I mean ego in a protective way. We all have, we all have an ego that is there to protect us from the dangers of any kind of change or anything outside of the comfort zone. And that's its job. And at some point you have to say, look, fear or ego. I, you know, I know I don't really understand marketing, but I know that it's going to help me because marketing is about communicating value. And that's it. It's not about trying to get something from someone. It's not this whole sleazy car salesman kind of like stigma that we've been thinking that marketing is. Marketing is about saying, I have something valuable that I need to give to the world and I got to communicate it. And for those of you who are listening and who are afraid of marketing, but you know in your heart of hearts that you need to do it, I want you to know that if you believe in something, whether it's an idea or your skill or your talent or whatever, if you really believe that it's going to make an impact on somebody, which it will 100%, then you not marketing it is doing a disservice to that person. You not putting yourself out there is doing a disservice to the people who need what it is that you have to offer. So if you can constantly be putting yourself in a giving mindset, I want to give, I want to help you um, as opposed to, I want to get, I want to get the paycheck. I want to get the client. I want to get the gig, whatever it is. Um, Don't go around, you know, saying 
hey guys, I'm a teacher. Send me your students. That's a getting, right? That's a getting kind of perspective. You want to say, hey, I'm a private teacher. What can I do to help your students? You know, go to your high schools, go to the local high schools. And I just did this last week. Um, you know, you talk to go to a choir concert and shake hands with the choir director and say, I just moved here. I'm looking to um, help some some high schoolers and I'd love to help out your program as opposed to I just moved here. And can you give me some private students, please? <laughs> right. So and it's, it's such an easy spotlight shift. You are just changing the spotlight from you to them. And I promise you that that's the essence of marketing. That's that's where all of the marketing comes from is just you trying to give in any area that you can. Um, and I think the reason that musicians are so afraid of that is, I mean, there's so many reasons fear of the unknown. Cause we don't actually know what marketing is. No one teaches us what marketing is. Um, fear that we're going to be rejected. Of course, we're all going to be rejected. You know, like it, it's just part of it. Um, fear that we're going to look you know, annoying to our friends, putting up something <laughs> on Facebook and posting something. And then you have that panic attack of, oh my God, what did I just put up? Everyone's going to think blah, blah, blah of me. Little secret. No one cares. No one's thinking about you. Everyone's thinking about themselves. So you don't need to worry. About so it. true. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, it is scary. It is scary to put yourself out there a hundred percent. But if you do it consistently and you make yourself visible and you are doing it in a frame of, I want to give a value to somebody in whatever way, shape or form that means for you, then that's marketing, you know, and, and you're communicating that value that way. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I've learned over the last few years about marketing and sales is if you do your marketing well, you don't really have to do sales. Like exactly. it, it happens, right? It happens. The marketing is like 95% of the battle and it shouldn't be a battle. It's just letting people know what you do and, you know, and get, like you said, giving value and not being afraid to put yourself out there. I think that's the hardest thing. You know, we'll yes. get up on stage and, you know, give a fantastic show and have no problem. All those people looking at us, but yeah. then we go out on social media and if we just need to say like, Hey, will you come watch my new video? You know, like it, we just get all quiet and it's just funny how, how we do that as musicians. I know. I know. And you know, what's funny is that when you're performing, you are marketing while you're performing. That's true. You know what I mean? Like that's you putting yourself out there. And, and for some reason that artists feel much more connected to, let me just, you know, sing or perform in front of thousands of people, but <laughs> dare, I, dare I put something on Facebook or social media and it's really intimidating. Um, you just have to, you just have to practice it. You just have to practice it. It is. It's a muscle. Marketing is a muscle. I it think. is a muscle. Exactly. And it takes time to let go of those personal kind of um, things that you cling on to. And at some point you go, you know what? That didn't work. Okay. That worked. Okay, great. I'm going to do that. You know, and you just mm. frame it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me throw this out there. If anyone has any questions for Allie while she's here, but I want to ask her, um, you know, can you break down like why, why has having a studio of private students been so important to you? And why do you think, you know, if it is in their wheelhouse and they feel comfortable doing it, why do you think it can be so key for other musicians, you know, to building a stable income and be a being able to have an actual, you know, music career full time? Mm. Oh man. Well, 
first and foremost, I want to um, kind of shed some light on the current situation that most musicians are in when it comes to teaching. Because like we're talking about mindset, there is kind of a weird mindset that if you're a teacher, it means you didn't make it, which is just absolute. Bonus. Oh my gosh. That is so, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Cause I used to always hear like those who can't perform end up teaching or, you know, can't make it as a performer. And, you know, yes. it's like, no, it is just, I just want to attack that myth and say, absolutely not. That is complete BS. Um, if you've ever heard that, it's just not true. <laughs> Um, and actually there was a study a few years ago, 89% of performers also teach. And if you look at the scales, um, of what their income streams were like actual, what people were making in performing professionally versus teaching, teaching by far exceeds the performer. I mean, there's probably, you know, two, 3% of performers out there who are a hundred percent on stage all the time, making the big bucks, but it's not very much. So, you know, income aside, why teaching is essential. The thing that we are facing right now is music teaching companies versus doing your own thing. Um, it's something I feel really passionate about because I actually worked for four different music teaching companies all throughout my early and mid twenties. Um, whether I was in, in college or in grad school, it was just one of those, like I said, that desperation mindset of, I just want consistent pay. I just want students. I just want to get a paycheck. I don't care. And I don't have to do the marketing. They'll do it for me. Right. I I think that's the thing that really would attract people to that. It would, it does attract people. Um, but here's the thing. Um, and every person's different. If you are the type of person that is a self-starter, or that you um, like to be in control of things, or you just plain like to have a life, (laughs) like (laughs) you want to have your own life and you want to be able to dictate your own life, that path is only sustainable for a little bit of time. Um, I've had so many problems in my personal life that I encountered with working at a music teaching company, whether it was, you know, I, I signed a contract stupidly with a company that said, if you don't, if you quit within two years, you have to pay a $500 fee. And I signed it and I'm like, and I had to pay Whoa. the fee because I ended up quitting because they claimed that they were copywriting some of the ways that they were teaching their methodology. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really interesting to see what, music companies are doing right now. Um, a lot of it, I'm, I'm borderline. Like, I don't know that that's legal. Um, mm. so some of them are, are major problems or it could be something super simple. Like for my 22nd birthday, I planned a birthday dinner and I showed up to the company I was working for. And my boss had, without telling me, because in the contract, they don't have to tell you, he had given me two more trial lessons at the end of my day. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't reschedule them. I missed my own birthday dinner. <laughs> like, oh my I, gosh. I didn't even get to go. So those kinds of things where it's like someone else is controlling your time and controlling your finances. I mean, you can't even get to um, know how many students you're going to be teaching or, you know, that student dropped and now you're lost with that and you can't do anything about it. There's just a lack of control when it comes to working for a music teaching company that I don't feel is sustainable anymore. Um, that being said, there are wonderful companies out there who do take care of their teachers and I'm not trying to diss all of the companies, but there, it is a problem and you have to discern that for yourself. Um, doing your own thing. And branching off and starting your own studio, um, 
it, I cannot speak highly of it enough. It is mm. truly the best way to find not only financial stability, but freedom. Um, when I first did that and I, you know, branched off and did my own kind of private studio, I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I didn't know that I was creating a business. Like I, I wasn't like, I'm going to start a business now. It just kind of happened. I, I got fed up. I quit. Um, I, I stole students. I will be the first to say that I did. Um, I didn't steal them. They came to me. Um, it's a little bit different, but you know, I had really, um, solid relationships with those students and they didn't want me to leave. And so that kind of started me off. I don't recommend it. Um, it does get a little bit legal, like not, Mm. not good. Um, but if you have any kind of solid relationships with anybody who's willing to learn how to make music, that's your starting point. Um, and from there, you know, once you're able to kind of market and, and grow your studio, which is a whole other conversation that we are going to have, um, you know, you, you get to set your own rates, you get to set your own clock. Um, you get, you get to do everything, you know, you can Mm. change that. You get to take the gig, you get to take the, the audition, you get to take whatever comes at you. My husband and I, um, last year, you know, I, I had built my network. I had built my studio. I had all these colleagues and everything. And we decided, you know what, we're going to quit everything and we're going to live in a van and travel a country for a year, which is what we did. Mm. Um, I never would have been able to do that had I worked for somebody else. I never would have been able to do that had I worked for somebody else, not just because they were dictating my schedule and they were dictating my pay, but because I also wouldn't have been able to save enough money. You know, I tripled my income when I started doing my own studio, tripled Mm. my income in one month, um, because I was not, you know, getting that, um, uh, those pay cuts that they take, you know, they charge, you know, $25 an hour and we take 25 too for picking up the phone. And, you know, it's, um, it's Mm. just, it's just silly. I mean, you got to crunch some numbers. You got to really look at it pragmatically and go, you know what? I could teach half the amount of students at twice the pay and get my life back. And Mm. I get to, Oh, I'm not feeling well. Oh, I'm on my period. Oh, I, you know, whatever can't teach today that's totally fine. And you, you get your life back. I mean, you get your life back. That's, I I can't say it enough. Like private teaching is absolutely the best thing that a musician can do. And you get to decide how you do it. You get to decide what kind of clients that you get to take. Um, You can discern for yourself. I don't want to teach that student and you don't have to, <laughs> you can say no, you can say no to students that don't light you up. You can go on the path of, I really love teaching adults, or I really love teaching songwriting workshops, or I really, whatever, it doesn't matter. You are in control of whatever you want to impart on those people and what kind of impact you want to make on both their lives and your own life. <laughs> mm. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you're so passionate about it. I'm I love so it passionate too. About it. <laughs> so let me ask you, cause I live in a super small town. I do think that if I put myself out there and did want to teach, I could get enough students. Cause we have about 11,000 person town here. Yeah. Um, but what if you live in like the boonies, you know, you live like on a farm or something like that. Is, are there ways you can still teach? Is online actually an option these days? Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing about teaching. You know, um, private teaching, it doesn't have to be one-on-one, first and foremost. It doesn't have to be that standard, I need to see your face and we have a half hour or 45 minutes together. You get to decide, right? So if you want to teach a um, 
a Skype lesson. That's a group lesson. You can do that. It's actually totally technologically possible to do that. If you want to create an audio training series and you say, you know what? I, I feel like the diaphragm and breathing and all of that stuff for singers is like this totally convoluted thing that I know that people struggle with. I'm going to create an entire audio series just on tips and tricks on how to breathe the right way. You know, then you sell that. Um, you can do membership programs. You can do, um, I do FaceTime lessons. So I don't do Skype, but I do FaceTime lessons. They work amazingly well. And what's really cool about doing online, that's a little different than doing it in person is they get to see themselves, right? So mm. the student gets to actually see themselves in the computer screen. Um, and you get to see things from a totally different perspective um, when you actually are looking at them through the video versus in person. If you're trying to accompany and you know, you're trying to teach a voice student and you're also staring at the music, you miss a lot of things. But if you're watching them and they're singing with a, an accompaniment track you made them or a recording, you get to actually watch them and it's a different experience. So there's a lot of benefits to doing online. There's a lot of creative things you can do that I know that YouTube is huge for tutorials. You could create an entire course on just, you know, and give people videos. I know a lot of people who do that and they sign up for a course and, you know, learn how to you know, play the piano in six weeks and you give them something like that. You can sell um, instruction manuals. You can, there's all kinds of things that technology offers that, you know, one-on-one -on -one doesn't, and you just have to get creative with it. Um, the other thing- That's so true. I'm thinking like about a, a hybrid option where you could do like all your basic stuff in some kind of a workshop or webinar format that they could watch on at their leisure. And then you wouldn't have to spend your time in one-on-one -on -one with that kind of thing. Exactly. And you can mm -hmm. do it, you know, monthly, um, uh, classes maybe at your house or I don't know, farm or whatever, <laughs> wherever you live. <laughs> Um, and it doesn't have to be consistent, but you say, you know, and you tell your town, Hey, I'm doing a songwriting workshop on the first Friday of every month. Everybody come on over and we're just going to like write songs, you know, and mm. that's a form of teaching too. Um, I live in a, a town of 10,000 people as well. And I was really intimidated. I just moved from Southern California, a huge hub for music. I mean, they've really got it going on down there. And I moved to Colorado in this, this little town outside of Denver. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really nerve wracking. I don't know if it's, it's great. You know, you get the small town feel. Um, I have a lot of adults who, who want to learn how to sing. So you don't have to limit yourself age-wise either. The thing is that people want to learn how to, how to do music. They just do, you know, and they're out there. You just gotta, you gotta be creative in how you find them. Mm, I love all of this. And I, I love again, how, like how passionate you are about it. Um, you know, I never really decided to go that direction. Obviously I teach the business side of music, but I yeah. never decided to, to teach voice, but I was trained in all that stuff. And, and I definitely see how I could do that. And I did think about it several times, but I love being able to bring you on here, someone that is in the trenches doing this all the time and <laughs> yeah. is able to teach everybody, you know, how you can actually make this happen. So I, I first, I just wanted to say hi to, you know, a few people that jumped in while we were on, Therese and um, let's see, what was the other one that I saw? Uh, Tozy and Joan and Michelle, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, I do want to invite all of you who are watching live or are watching this on the replay 
Uh, Allie and I are going to do an awesome workshop next week that is going to give you real life experience and help with starting off your private studio. Her workshop, and I love this title, is called Mm -hmm. How I Got 10 New Students in One Month, which like if we all got 10 new students in one month, we would be off and running to (laughs) a studio and sustainable income. So, and she's going to go through the five steps on how to build your private studio. So I want to invite you guys to join us for that workshop next Tuesday, the 24th of October. We're doing it two different times to accommodate everybody all over the world and with different work schedules. We've got a noon Eastern and 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can just go on over to femmusician.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E, and sign up. And we'll send you out reminders and make sure that you're able to show up live um, that's femmusician.com. F is in female, E is an entrepreneur, musician.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E. I'm so looking forward to this workshop. Me too. And yeah, I know she is too. And <laughs> I, I just can only imagine the, the secrets and, and help that she's going to share with you from her own actual experience doing this. So join us over there, femmusician.com slash Allie. Thank you guys for showing up. And we will see you next week on Indie Interactive. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.